What's today's date? It's the 17th. I got a little bit more, a little bit more summer. Go to cook. Don't go to cookouts. I hate cookouts, man. Stay away from cookouts. If you like me, you stay the fuck away from cookouts. I don't like my family come by the house. The relatives I ain't seen like since the last cookout. You got certain relatives you just see at the cookout, and they get on your nerves every year. My uncle Gus come by the house every year. My uncle Gus is the uncle that like to work the grill. And don't let nobody touch the grill when he's around. As soon as he walk in the house, it's like, get away from that grill. You don't know how to start no fire. You know how to start no fire. Put this fire. This ain't no fire, goddamn it. Eddie, Eddie, go over there and give me all that wood. I need half a tree. Chop that tree down over there. Get that goddamn lighter fluid out of there. That can't you legit. We're gonna put all two gallons of gasoline on this wood and make a fire. We're gonna eat a hamburger, okay? Here we go. Challenge, throw the match. Now that's a fire. That's a fire. Look at that. Look at that. He be alright. Roll Charlie around. Roll him around a little bit. Roll around. Ah, yes, the end of summer, the end of swimming, canoeing, just generally frolicking about in the green grass, the end of barbecuing, no more barbecuing. Are you sad yet? Yeah. Well, me too, but not because, not because I can no longer go put a hot dog and a hamburger on a gas grill but because I can no longer barbecue the way God intended. That's right. What we consider barbecue and what gets thrown around as a barbecue has very little resemblance to the original barbecue. Today on History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school, well, we bring you the secret history of barbecue. It has nothing to do with a propane tank and your dad grilling hot dogs and hamburgers and sausages. And it has everything to do with colonialism and a secret forgotten history about a people called the Taino of the Caribbean. So fire up those grills, put on some nice tunes, crack open a cold beverage of your choice and sit back and listen to the mighty, mighty CJSR 88.5 FM in a Miskwichiwa Skygun take you on a tour of a barbecue like you've never had before. Barbecue is Native American at its foundation. I think that gets glossed over. The typical barbecue history narrative talks about indigenous people in the Caribbean, but there's a lot of dots that don't get connected when we start, start talking about barbecue in the American South. How do we go from this raised platform in the Caribbean to this trench method in the American South? Because the trench method was not in the Caribbean, so something else is going on. Hey, it's Russell Cobb here, your host from History X, and I'm here to bring this show to you about barbecue, the secret history of barbecue. No, not that cheeseburger you're having off the grill. Just forget about that or just enjoy it. It's fine. No, really, seriously, just have your cheeseburger or tofu burger 
or I don't know, roasted corn, whatever you want on your grill. You have that thing. You enjoy it. I'm not here to ruin your fun. I'm just here to tell you something you probably didn't know about barbecue. And I'm going to start by taking you back to 1491. Yes, before Columbus ever arrived in the Americas. And we're going to go to an island called uh, Haiti. Well, that's what it was uh, called before it was Hispaniola, before the Spanish decided to call it the Spanish island. Now, here on this island, uh, the Taino people used uh, an, in, an instrument that was kind of basic to everyday life. It was called a koa, C-O-A. Uh, a koa is kind of a stake. It could be a spear. It could be a plowing instrument. It is basically just a stick with a sharpened edge which could be used for all those different purposes, including spear fishing or roasting uh, food on a grill. Now, the Taino, unlike the Europeans, often roasted their meats. And when I say meats, we're not talking about the meats that were brought to the, the Americas by the Spanish. No, we're not talking about pigs, cows, chickens. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we're talking about, well, sometimes some reptiles like uh, lizards, snakes, turtles, and lots of fish, delicious fish, 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 and uh, some vegetables and some other stuff that probably we wouldn't eat today like worms. Yeah, worms, they ate worms. Anyway, these things were often slow roasted. And when I say roasted, I'm really talking about the use of smoke to cook. And if you've ever tried to smoke um, a piece of meat, you know it's not easy. You have to tame the fire and you have to bring it down to a temperature that is like Goldilocks, right? Not, not too hot, not too cold, and you can't let it go out. So you're trying to find this sweet spot around 80 degrees Celsius or 165 Fahrenheit. Sorry, I'm American. I still think about the Fahrenheit. And 165 Fahrenheit is kind of like the golden hour of barbecue because you know that your smoke is warm and it's warm enough to dissolve the collagens, the fatty bits of the meat you want to cook without overdoing it. So just warm enough to do that, just warm enough to preserve that moisture and to infuse that smoke texture. Now it is not the Europeans. They didn't know anything about that when they were roasting their meats back in Europe. And you think about a gold, good old English roast or a pot roast and Hey, I'm not throwing shade on it. Could be good. Lots of roasted stuff is delicious, but it's a dry heat that surrounds the food, right? That is what a roast is. Smoking, as in barbecue smoking, as in what the Taino were doing, was a little bit different because they were using the smoke of the wood to infuse the flavor. Now, if you uh, use woods from, say, northern climates like northern Europe or even northern North America, like we find around here in Treaty 6 territory, most of them not so delicious. You know, they're kind of got of an acrid uh, taste to them. 
But when you get to warmer climates, and especially when you get down around the Caribbean or greater Mexico or the southwestern or southeastern United States, you're going to find woods like oak. Yes, I know we have some oak here, but much more plentiful. Uh, pecan, uh, mesquite, apple. Yeah, we have some apple woods up here. But those kinds of woods that have a sweeter flavor. And this is how the history of colonization comes in. 1492, Columbus is coming to the Caribbean. And in one note from an aside from one of his scribes on the trip, uh, a guy named Bermudez, Bermudez, he notes that there's like this sweet smell of smoke coming from one of the islands, probably, I don't know, Bahamas or Cuba, maybe even Puerto Rico. And his men are like, hey, we're hungry. That smells delicious. Let's go try it out. And then there's a huge debate among the, among the people on the boat, among the admiral himself. Uh, you know, should they go check it out? Well, they do. They sail over and sure enough, they find all these koa, right? All those sticks that I was talking about. And the sticks are kind of put together in a way that make it into a, a, uh, a structure. So they're built up high off the water and in them, they're sort of like storage facilities for food on the outside smoking under the slow burning wood smoke. Um, are a variety of animals. Some of them look really delicious to the Europeans, like some of the fish. And some of them, um, Bermudez says, are like an abomination, like snakes and lizards and, yeah, worms, like I said, worms. And Bermudez says, hey, you know, let's take the, uh, let's take the stuff that looks good to us and leave the rest of it. I mean, you know, they didn't, I mean, this is, this, this is the, when you're, when you're operating under the doctrine of discovery or whatever, you know, you don't ask a lot of questions. You just take what you want because I guess God wanted you to or whatever. Yeah. But Hey, this is kind of a, an instance of what I guess we would call transculturation, where the, the, the culture that's being colonized actually ends up influencing the colonizer because these Spanish are like, whoa, this is delicious. How did they make this fish? What did you do? And it is certainly that sweet smell of that smoke that's infusing the flavor. And another thing that's just kind of an amazing technology that we might take for granted today in this age of refrigeration is that when you smoke something, you slow cook it, it stays fresher longer. It stays edible, at least. It stays edible longer. So they're able to preserve the food for longer. It doesn't rot in that humid, warm Caribbean sun. Um, yeah, so fast forward a few decades. The Spanish are now coming in droves. And they're not just coming themselves, they're bringing their livestock. Yeah, they're bringing the pigs, they're bringing the cows, they're bringing the chickens. And that's where we get part two of this history. We're going to get back to that in a little bit. 
For now, let's just take a little break here. Uh, You are listening to History X, the show about what they didn't teach you at school, the show that is not on the syllabus that brings you the stories you won't find anywhere else on the Mighty Mighty CGSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta, Treaty 6 Territory. I'm Russell Cobb. We'll be back in a second. I'm here at meat, and I ordered a lot of smoked meats, including one pound of beef brisket. It came to me here sliced, um, chopped up pulled pork, another another whole pound of that, and um, something I've, I've actually never quite seen, and it's a sweet chili ribs, a half a rack of them. And because I come from the Texas, Oklahoma style of barbecue, I had to have one slice of plain old white bread and a pickle they don't have jalapenos slightly disappointing but whatever let's i'm gonna dig in It's uh, I mean, it's tough to pull off. It's it's delicious. It's smoked. You know, yeah, really good. Thank you. It's um, ever so slightly tough, but you know, actually, it almost always is. Pulled pork is delicious. I like to throw this cherry barbecue sauce in there, and then these ribs. They have this like sesame thing on them. It's kind of um gives it kind of an Asian flavor which you know kudos to them you know I'm not a purist nobody should be a purist purism is for I don't know fundamentalists and idiots anyway delicious gotta have that pickle and that soft white bread Parks Department Employee Appreciation Barbecue. You're gonna throw the Leslie Nope Employment Enjoyment SummerSlam Grill Jam Fun Explosion. That's right. You are gonna oversee the popsicle eating contest, the slip and slide a thon, the watermelon carving, the gazpacho off, and star in a one woman show about parks rules and regulations. Parks and dolls! I got your park right here. Its name is Ramsett Park. And its gates are open from dawn till dark. I am not doing any of that, which is the point. There will be no froofy desserts. There will be no giant soap bubble guns. There will be no adult men in costumes. And most of all, there will be no vegetables. Well, Brian, can we at least have corn on the cob? No.
what's up with you? I'm Slink Johnson, and today I'm hosting a bomb-ass barbecue. I invited the homies, I invited some of my kinfolk, and I invited my good friends, the Bullocks. Remember them? Well, they gonna hang out with us today. Squad up. Let's see. Hi, I'm Monica Bullock, and I'm about to attend a black barbecue for the first time. I've never been to a black barbecue before. I've never been invited to a black barbecue, but I'm happy to go. I have no idea what to expect at a black barbecue. Fried chicken? Main things I find at a black barbecue, black people. Everything black at a black barbecue, that's what you find. White folks have salads, they have kale salads, they're grilling vegetables, they're grilling salmon on a wood plank, you know what I mean? They're laughing, you know, they're tossing strawberries in each other's mouths, you know what I mean? They're petting dolphins, they're riding horses, you know. Okay, well, I mean, it's no secret that being a pit master, mastering the art of smoke as a means to, to cook meat, often uh, meat that would be fatty or tough under normal circumstances, creating the rubs and the sauces that go with it, those are traditions that come out of the African-American experience. Um, and of course, that goes back to slavery. Now, predating that, as we heard from the top in the top of the show, is the Taino word, and that's the indigenous Caribbean word, barbacoa, and the koa were these little wooden slats that were put together to form a sort of structure on which the Taino would smoke their meats. We have um, a history of black and brown um, cuisines and cooking technology that somehow becomes this sort of symbol of um, this kind of white male masculinity in the Americas, i.e. that Ron Swanson clip there of, uh, you know, taking over the, the Pawnee barbecue and only cooking meat. I mean, how did that happen, right? If this is an indigenous cooking technology that is adapted by the Spaniards in the Caribbean and then adapted by Anglo-Americans to draft African-Americans into cooking their meat in this particular way, I mean, that's a pretty twisted history. Well, let's do it one at a time. So we talked a little bit about the first experience of the, of the Spaniards and how they adapted the, the Taino cooking technology. But then that spread across the Caribbean into North America. And as the, the pigs, chickens, cows began to proliferate, well, some of the, the tribes in the southeast, most notably the Chickasaw, who may have been the first people to ever make pulled pork, started to cook these domesticated livestock that the Spanish had imported. And there indeed is a, a notice in Hernandez Soto's travels, one of his scribes, one of the people that was writing for him, noting that the Chickasaw had uh, butchered a pig and slow roasted it. I should not even say slow roasted because this is this is smoking, right? Because please remember that real barbecue is cooking with smoke, not cooking with fire. So they're barbecuing, smoking this Spanish pig, and then it turns into what we would call today pulled pork. Um, so that tradition spread. And then as slavery became endemic to the American South, well, I mean... Today, you might find your dad 
<laughs> or anybody really um, out in the backyard smoking meat, but it is not for the faint of heart. It's 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 a, a tough, uh, hard labor, and extremely hot occupation. If you especially if you imagine sweating in the American South, the heat and the humidity, and these are people that are not going to a grocery store and buying you know a half a pound of pork shoulder. This is the whole hog or a whole animal, a whole sheep. So turning that, tending to that, uh, making sure the smoke is at the right temperature, that is, that's a tough job. And so because uh, African-Americans tended to have that position once slavery was then abolished, they were in the position to basically um, control the 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 discipline uh if you will of, of barbecuing the barbecuing technology the barbecuing um, ways were in the hands of african americans who often relied on fickle white capital to start their own businesses and here we get into something that that unfortunately we're not going to have time for but to study the evolution of the barbecue restaurant is really interesting. Little side note here, um, you know, I grew up in a place that had been previously segregated before I was born. Um, there were very hard and fast rules about what restaurants were, were for white people and what restaurants were for black people. But when it came to barbecue, it's always been a little bit different. There are lots of stories throughout the South of barbecue restaurants that catered to white and black customers. And these, these were the only restaurants that did that. But because white and black customers, well, I mean, who except for vegetarians doesn't love good barbecue, um, wanted that food, they would even establish different windows. So you'd have the same restaurant and then one window for black customers, one window for white customers. Um, and that continued. For, for many years, and indeed, um, black barbecuing was some of the only restaurants that were entirely owned and operated um, by black entrepreneurs. And they were often some of the only draws for white people to cross the color line. Uh, there are many instances of white customers saying, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't go to the black part of town, but hey, there's this one place, you know, the barbecue's so good, you got to go get it. And so, you know, I mean, I don't want to nostalgia, I don't want to engage in any kind of nostalgia or any sort of um, wishful thinking about this, this instance, but it can be noted that when it came to barbecue, yes, it did bring, uh, even in an era of segregation, it could bring white and black people together. Case in point, I'm going to bring you a little clip here of uh, from the show House of Cards, where the politician Frank Underwood, the devious Frank Underwood, goes to Freddie's place for uh, ribs. And Freddie, in the world of the show, is this Washington, D.C. pitmaster, an African-American man who has legendary ribs. And uh, yeah, so here you go. White politician, black pitmaster. Freddie. Yeah, Frank. Was there something different about these ribs this morning? Better or worse? I didn't think that they could get any better, but these were something special. Well, try to 
new butcher. Slow bleeds his hogs. It ain't legal, but... Well, I won't tell anyone. I don't know if I'm gonna go back to him. Went out to his shop. He's got a room in the back where he does it. Soundproof. Whole setup. Well, why soundproof? Because how they scream, they can smell it coming. You stick that pipe in their throat, next 10 minutes is hell. Bunch of eardrums. Now, the humane way to do it is to make it quick. Bring out a bucket of slop like his feet in time, and bam, shovel right to the base of the head. No screaming. Woke up this morning, gone. Tricks me night and day. I woke up this morning, tricks me night and day. With my hand around my pillow while my brownie used to lay. shine like quail. I ain't good looking. Teeth don't shine like quail. So glad good looks don't take you through this way. Go start my jumper, mama. I'm a rover hog. Bust my jump on. I'm a rover hog. My brown nun quit me, God knows she had it all. And that was Barbecue Bob with the Barbecue Blues from the year 1927 when barbecue was already quite a strong thing. You know, earlier in the 20s, uh, a famous governor of, of Oklahoma, who was later deposed, uh, his name was our man Jack Walton. Jack Walton, he inaugurated himself with a barbecue that, um, well, let's just say his guests were the entire state. There was squirrel. There was possum. There was cow. There was pig. There was sheep. There was everything you could possibly imagine. Barbecue for hundreds of thousands of people. Barbecues always have always been a political thing. Um, small p political and big p political. And that's what we've been talking about this episode of History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school on the mighty, mighty CGSR FM. 88.5 in a Miskwichiwa Skygon Treaty 6 territory. So, uh, yeah, we've taken you on a tour of, of uh, cookouts, barbecues, grills. Um, hope, I didn't hope I didn't ruin your cookout with my um, take on barbecue. But, you know, I just thought we needed to do a secret history of what barbecue was really about. Go all the way back to the Taino people of the Caribbean. And, and then, yeah, right here. August, actually it's September, September 2021 in our first city of Edmonton at uh, Meat. Anyway, this episode, The Secret History of Barbecue, um, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I'd like to give some special thanks to Adrian Miller 
who was a barbecue historian in Kansas City. And you could hear him speaking on the program Flatlands. Uh, you heard a little bit from All Deaf Cam- Comedy Jam for the first time. The Bullocks uh, white family go to a black barbecue. You heard a little bit of that. You heard a little bit of a classic by Eddie Murphy, The Cookout. And whether you avoid cookouts or not, that's up to you. Um, but yeah, been there. We also heard a little bit from Parks and Recreation, Ron Swanson hosting the barbecue. No, there will not be a single vegetable. Not even corn. Not even corn on the cob. Well, whether you want to grill corn on the cob, portobello mushrooms, a whole hog, a squirrel, some smoky brisket, or something entirely different, it's totally up to you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you can squeeze some enjoyment out of this last bit of summer and early fall. And until next time, enjoy your history. Enjoy. Enjoy independent radio. Bye now.